Hello, welcome to Pure Nonsense. When I started doing this little podcast and recording episodes, I really didn't want it to be about business or anything like that. Just because if I'm working on my business literally all day, every single day, then when I have free time and when I want to vent and when I want to talk about fun things and all of that, I didn't want to have to sit down and talk about business after working on my business. However, because it is such a big part of my life, like literally every single day, that's what I do, there's no way that I can't not talk about it, obviously. And when I was thinking about it, I was like, yeah, I want to talk about fun things and, you know, lighthearted stuff about life and, you know, my favorite products and all of that. But also, my business is one of my favorite things. I love it. I do think it's fun. I don't regret starting my business. I don't have anything against it. I absolutely love what I do. So why not talk about it? So, In this episode, even though I have said before that this podcast isn't going to be related to my business, I think some episodes are going to be. I'll put it in the title so that you know that's what I'm going to talk about so that if you don't want to listen to it, you don't even have to click on it. But for this episode, I just wanted to talk about the basics of starting a business and getting my business started because I think there are a lot of things relating to it that most people don't understand that some people don't think about, they don't realize that I'm doing it. Really just a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that you probably don't see. I mean, I post a lot on my business Instagram page, like, throughout my stories and all of that, just to do behind-the-scenes so that people can kind of understand better what I am doing on a day-to-day basis instead of just posting a single photo of, like, the final product and not really giving any backstory behind it. But there's just so much that goes into starting a business. And I have a small business. It's not like a massive corporation, obviously. And even so, there are so many things that, yes, I knew going into it, but it's a lot. I mean, it is a lot of work. It's not just, you know, cute little desserts, you know, coming right out of the oven and then I'm done. There are so many things that go into it. And that's really just what I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to give a little look into what my business looks like, what it has looked like so far, and yeah, just kind of give you a little backstory on it. So like I said, I love every single thing about my business. I love the fact that I started it. I love the people that I've worked with so far and the people that I'll get to work with in the future. I love what my day-to-day schedule looks like. I love the products and the services that I provide. I just love everything about it. It's so much fun to me. And there are so many times throughout the week, like I'll be driving to the grocery store, whether I'm getting ingredients for my baking or if I'm just getting food for myself. And I'll just have a smile on my face. Maybe I'm listening to music or another podcast and I'm just smiling because I'm like, I like I'm creating the life that I have wanted for so long. I've always wanted to own a bakery. Like, since I can remember, I have the, I have this tiny little apron that I wore as a kid that my mom had, like, custom made for me. It says Maggie's Cafe on it, and it's from when I was, like, super little because I, like, seriously, I've always wanted to have a little bakery selling cupcakes, selling desserts, whatever it is. I just, I've always, like, fantasized about that. 
And so when I think about the fact that I'm doing that, obviously I don't have a physical storefront bakery. Maybe that will come later down the road. But what I'm doing now is just what I've always wanted to do. And it's working out and it's going so well. And it's just so exciting. So this isn't going to be an episode about me like venting about the negative sides of business. Maybe I'll do an episode about like some of the stuff I didn't expect and that I don't like. But given that like 99% of it I love and I enjoy and I can't wait to keep doing it over and over, that's what I'm going to talk about. And I'm just going to give you like a breakdown of the things that I do on a day-to-day basis, on a weekly basis that go into the business that you most likely wouldn't assume or that you don't think about when you see what I'm posting or what I'm talking about just in like a surface level conversation because there is a lot that goes into it. So when I started my business, I officially started it about a year ago, a little over a year ago when I quit my full-time job and I really got it going and I put all of my time, all of my money into it. And When I started to really get it going, I knew that I wanted to have a few different realms of the business. I didn't want to rely on one single thing to bring in income. Like, you know, you need to diversify your income so that in case something happens, you know, you're not struggling to put food on the table and you can have a couple other areas that are going to help you get to where you need to get to. And so some of the things that I did, I wanted to get into the wedding industry. I wanted to make wedding cakes, wedding dessert tables, all of that stuff. So that was going to be one part of my business. Another part would be the social media. So I had a TikTok. I have Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram. I deleted the TikTok because I I got so addicted to TikTok, like not on a business level, just recreation. I was addicted. My screen time, when I saw my screen time at one point for like how many hours a week I was spending on it, uh, like on my phone, and I specifically looked at the TikTok hours, oh, it was so bad. And at that point, the videos that I would post on TikTok for my business, they were getting like 100 views, maybe even less than that. And I was like, you know what? I've got the other social media this just is not healthy for me, so I'm going to delete that. Completely deactivated my account, deleted the app. I haven't had it ever since, and I have so many less headaches now, so that's very nice. But that second part of my business with the social media, I continued doing Pinterest and Instagram. I don't use Facebook. I despise Facebook. The way it's laid out, just the whole interface, I hate it. But Pinterest is great. It's perfect for recipes, cute pictures of desserts, you know, aesthetically pleasing, tables, all of that. It's perfect for what I'm doing. And then Instagram. I started the baking Instagram in 2020 because when I was home doing nothing, like everyone, that that beginning time of the COVID quarantine was actually kind of nice because literally almost everyone's work was shut down, which, no, that's not good because you need to make an income and all of that, obviously. But it was just kind of like a little relaxing time. And since I was home doing literally nothing, I would like go on my daily walks and stuff. I 
started baking more and more. And then my mom was like, oh, you should probably create a portfolio because if you want to work in a bakery, which is what my goal was at the time, if you want to work in a bakery and get more experience with that, you should take nice photos of the stuff that you're already baking during quarantine. Like, why not? And so I started the Instagram page and my mom helped me take, you know, some of the really nice looking photos of the food that I was doing. And I just posted it on Instagram with like descriptive captions of whatever it was that I baked. And I like followed my friends and my family and that was the extent of it. And then let's see, since I started full time about a year ago, That's when I really started posting consistently. So I started creating posting schedules. I started doing reels. I started posting more on my story, all of that stuff. And since then, I I consider my Instagram to really have started a year ago because before that I was posting like maybe like twice a month or something like there were no I wasn't using, you know, good captions or hashtags. I wasn't making any reels. I wasn't doing anything to really promote it. But in the past year, that's when I started doing that. And since then, it felt like the slowest growth in the world. I would start to get so annoyed. I was like, I feel like my content is good. I feel like my reels are decent. I feel like I'm consistent. I've got good captions, good hashtags, all of that stuff. But my account wasn't really growing. I would get like a few followers here and there. Then I figured out the algorithm. I finally did it. Now, I'm, <laughs> I don't have millions of followers, so those people have really, have really done it. But for myself, I have really figured out that algorithm, and I am so excited about it. And... Since I have been doing well with Instagram, you know, once you do that and you gain a little more of a following, then I don't know, it starts to feel more legitimate. I don't know if that makes sense. Obviously, it doesn't matter the amount of follows followers you have or the amount of likes or anything like that. But something about it just makes you feel more legitimate. And I'm very proud of myself that I've gotten to that point where People are following along with me. I know that people do like my content. They like the look of it. They like what I'm producing, what I'm providing for them. So anyways, the first part of my business, I wanted it to be in the wedding industry. The second part would be social media. And then the third part, I really wanted to get into food blogging. And so that's basically going along the lines of social media, but you have a completely different website. You have your whole blog site. And with food blogging, you do the photography, you do the filming, the editing, you write the blog post, you come up with recipes, you can tweak old ones, you can combine a few of them, you can completely start from scratch, whatever method you're going to use. And then you write those recipes, you write the detailed instructions, you, you know, pay for your website domain, um, and you, you get all of that going. And then you can apply to put ads on your blog site, which I did. And so you get, I, it's the tiniest, tiniest amount of money per view when you have ads on your blog site. I tried signing up for Google ads, but they like weren't getting back to me. And so I was researching it and Google ads 
on a food blog site are very difficult to get because there are so many recipe sites and so many, you know, instructions on how to cook and how to bake, all of that stuff. There's a lot of it. It's a pretty saturated market. And so the amount of those websites that they put ads on is limited and it's just harder to do. So I did it through another company. I got those on there and, and yeah, so the three parts of my business that I wanted to have, I'm rambling completely like I always do. The wedding industry, the social media, the recipe creating, and the food blogging. Those are the parts of my business that I wanted to have in order to create income for myself and in order to make sure that I wasn't relying on one single aspect to provide that income. Because when it came to really starting my business, it was after COVID had initially happened. And looking at it, I was like, well, if I only rely on wedding orders and wedding cakes and, you know, just that, what happens if something like COVID comes around again and everyone cancels their weddings? Like, sure, maybe I have a non-refundable deposit, but that's not the total cost of the order. And you can't just keep people's money when they're not getting any product or service out of it because of some virus that no one can control. So I was like, I can't rely on one thing to make money. I've got to really diversify it. And I think I've done a pretty decent job so far. So now that I've given a little backstory on... Did I give a backstory? I don't even know. I've always wanted to be a baker and have a bakery. Quit my full-time job after college graduation started my own business from scratch, just completely from scratch. It's going really well so far. I finally have a slightly larger following, um, definitely larger than I did at the beginning of the year. So that is, it's it seriously makes me feel so good that people like what I'm doing because I am working my butt off to do it. And it is just very nice to know that it, it does pay off. So that's that's where I am now. And like I said, I wanted to go into more detail on some of the behind the scenes of what I do just because obviously on social media and if I'm delivering your wedding cake, all you're seeing really is the final product. And, you know, I said I put stuff on my stories and all of that on Instagram so that you can see some behind the scenes and, you know, more details on what I'm doing and how I'm getting to the final product. But It's not everything. I'm not going to post everything, obviously, because that would be annoying. So I wanted to talk about it, and hopefully it's not annoying. So to get it started, I made a list of what I could think about. I basically went over my daily schedule or my weekly schedule, and I was like, okay, what, what do I do step by step? Because when I explain what I do to people... It's very surface level. It's, you know, it's not detailed, obviously. You're not going to go into that much detail, but I really wanted to. So, the first one, communications. So, the communications of a business, that's an obvious part of it. I know what you're thinking. You're like, yeah, Maggie, I know you communicate with people to run your business. Duh. But when it comes to having multiple aspects of a business, there are going to be different levels of communication. You're going to be using different mediums to communicate with people. And 
you're going to be talking about so many different things. Like I said, it's not just me talking about wedding cakes. There's a lot that goes into it. So with communications, you'll do emails, phone calls, Zoom meetings, social media DMs, all of that. Now, with the wedding industry, that is very detailed. When someone emails me to place an order or inquire about an order for a wedding cake or a dessert table or whatever it is they're looking for, it's not just a quick response of, yeah, sure, sounds great, here's the price, awesome, okay, see you then. That the amount of emails that I send to people that inquire about weddings, sometimes I feel like it's a bit much. There are some wedding orders that I've had where it has taken over 30 emails back and forth to solidify that order and to figure out exactly what they're looking for, exactly how I can help them to make sure they're getting what they need and to make sure I have the information that I need in order to do all of that. It's a lot of back and forth. And then in between that, they're going to have their cake tasting and I'm going to be sending them a message to let them know when the delivery is and to follow up with them. Maybe they want to have a phone call with me and you know, whoever's helping them with the cake. Maybe it's the couple. Maybe it's the bride and the mom. Maybe it's the bride and the mother-in-law. Because one thing I've noticed in the wedding industry, especially with the desserts, a lot of couples will kind of divide up who is in charge of what part of the wedding, just so it's not one single person dealing with all of it. And, you know, that's where wedding planners come in, day of coordinators, that's where those can be very helpful. But if it's just the couple doing it themselves, they might divide it up between a few people. So there might be multiple people CC'd on your emails, just so everyone's on the same page. You might have a phone call, like I said, with the mother-in-law, with the bride's mom, with the maid of honor. It completely depends. So it can kind of go all over the place and there's a there's a lot that goes into it. And then with the social media aspect and the food blogging, if someone is looking for a specific recipe, if someone you know, like I've posted videos just very quick on my Instagram story like mixing buttercream in my stand mixer or smoothing out whatever filling inside of a cake layer and people will will respond and all they'll say is what's the recipe recipe please hello what's the recipe and it's like okay hi how are you so nice to talk to you the link is in my bio thank you and it's like (laughs) obviously that's a very quick message and you can do that in like five seconds but I feel like I'm never not answering someone's question, which is fine. Again, I love my job so much and that's part of the business. That's part of it. That's part of any job, honestly, especially if you're starting a business. But I just feel like there's there's so much more communication that goes into it than most people think because, you know, especially with the wedding industry, a wedding is not a simple party. It can be. You can make it simple if you want. That's totally fine. But usually... Like, and it's one of the biggest days of that couple's lives, life, that couple's life. Yeah, it is a massive day for them. It's a big day for everyone involved, for the parents, for the bridesmaids, the groomsmen. It is a big day. And it is, 
it's a serious thing. You do not want to mess up the wedding cake or the cupcakes or the cookies. It it needs to be good to go from the start. And in order to make sure that happens, all of my questions have to be answered. I need all of the details. I have to write up the contract. That's another thing. I have contracts, of course, and writing up the contract, making sure it includes all the details, all the numbers, all the dimensions, all the flavors, making sure I outline all of my business policies so that I'm being as transparent as possible with any person I work with. And it can take a while. Like when I sit down to write a quote and to really get the details over to the couple um, so that they can make their final decision, that's not something that I quickly write in five minutes. I'm sitting at my computer for a while making sure I don't have typos, making sure all of the numbers are correct so that like I'm not embarrassing myself and I don't look unprofessional making sure everything's described correctly so that they don't have to ask any questions. And it's just a lot that goes into it. So all of the behind the scenes, there's a lot to it. I feel like communications is one of the biggest things because obviously you're not going to see that on social media and all of that. But yeah, communications, a massive part of my business and a big portion of my time when I'm working on my business. The second thing, like I've said before, social media. So with social media, you are going to have your final product sitting in front of you or the process of what whatever you're making, whatever you're providing. You're going to be photographing it. You're going to be filming it. Once you have that on your camera, I use an actual camera. I have a Canon. And once I have that, I've got to take the card out. I've got to insert it into my laptop. I've got to download everything to my drive. And then that's on my phone. And then from my phone, I pick my favorites and I put it in a folder and all of that. Then comes the editing of the photos, the editing of the videos, trying to make sure I have, you know, a good reel that's not too long. It's not too short. It shows what I want it to show. The lighting is good. The saturation, whatever is good. It. I want to make sure it looks good so that I'm putting my best self out there. There are obviously photos and reels that I have posted in the past that honestly make me cringe when I look back at them. I used to do voiceovers. (laughs) I used to do voiceovers on some of my reels and I haven't in a while because I'm scared to because the voice that I used in my old reels, right now I'm talking in my 100% normal voice. I hope this is what I sound like when I'm talking to you normally so that you don't think I'm trying to put on a fake voice for this podcast. I'm just sitting in my bedroom talking right now. When I would film reels, like I'm talking like just last winter, not even a year ago, and I would voice over whatever the video was of whatever recipe, I would be like, okay, so we're going to take this onion and we're going to dice it up. And then we're going to put it in the pan and you're going to hear that nice sizzle. And like I would do the weirdest voice because I thought it sounded more relaxing and more satisfying. (laughs) Obviously it didn't and it's embarrassing to look back on those, but it's also fun because I, you know, don't do those anymore. And it's just one of those funny things to look back on. But I still post reels and I post way more now, but I do like quick 
little reels that just completely focus on the food or they focus on the cake decorating or the delivery or whatever specific portion of the behind the scenes. And I might start doing voiceovers again now that I have this microphone and I'm used to talking normal into the microphone now because of the podcast. So maybe I'll start doing that at some point. We'll have to see, hopefully, because I do like voiceover reels that explain what they're doing. But now I have PTSD from what I used to do. So we'll see how that goes. But that's the whole photo, video, editing side of social media. Once you have it all edited, everything's good to go. You have to find a good audio to use. So with Reels, when I talked about before, I finally figured out the algorithm. With Reels, that is the best way to get more views on your Instagram page. That's the best way to get more follows, to get more likes, more comments, all of that. That's what happened with me. When you use the right audio, that is when it works. So if you are scrolling through Reels on Instagram and you hear an audio that you like and you go and you click on the audio to save it, it will tell you how many Reels have been made with the audio. If that reel has, I would say, over 2,000 reels made with it, definitely if it has over 5,000 reels made with it, it's risky. You might not do well with that audio. It's kind of a 50-50 shot. If that audio has like maybe 1,500 or less reels that are made with it, that is the jackpot. Save that audio. If you like it, don't just save it because it has, you know, good potential. You need to personally like it. You need to like the content that you're putting out there because if you don't like it, it's going to be obvious through whatever you post that you aren't actually in love with it and that's not going to get you anywhere. You need to have good intentions behind what you're posting and you need to make sure you like it because if you don't like it, who else is going to? Like you need to be passionate and You need to be passionate about the work that you're putting out there. But if you find an audio and you really like it and you have a perfect video that can go with it, you have the perfect content that matches that audio and you've been looking for something good because you've had the video in your camera roll, but you can't find a good audio. You finally found it. It's got less than a thousand reels made with it. Save that audio. Put it to the video. Write your caption, include, you know, your good hashtags, include hashtags that have something to do with your post, and post that. That is the best way of getting those views through Reels. I know a lot of people don't like Reels on Instagram because Instagram's trying to be TikTok and Instagram's supposed to be photos and all of that. I personally don't mind Reels. I think they're fun to make. I think it's fun when you make one that you really love and you see it do well. I just think it's fun. It's a fun app. I'm I'm here for it. But another thing with the algorithm, it is important what time you post. So with Instagram, with the time that you post, if you have a business or a creator account, you can go and look at your insights. The So you'll have like a professional dashboard at the top of your account and then you can look at the insights to see 
how many followers you have, how many accounts you've reached, how many accounts are engaged with your content, the percentage of male versus female followers, what percentage of your followers are from all of these different cities and countries. You can see if you click on your exact follower count and you scroll down to the bottom, you can see a chart of the most active times throughout each day of the week based on your followers. And so obviously that's not going to include people that don't follow you and people that you want to reach because you're trying to reach the audience that's already following you. But if you want to gain a following and you want to gain, that's the key word, gain, you're going to want to reach people that don't even know you exist at that moment. So when I look at that and I look at the insights My followers are most active pretty much around noon every single day. Sunday, I I stay away from Sundays. I don't really post on Sundays except for on my stories. I don't post on my feed on Sundays. It has not proven to be a good idea so far. But any other day of the week, usually noon is the best time. Now, I tried that based on, you know, the analytics. I tried posting around noon whenever I posted anything, whether it was a single static post, whether it was a series of photos, or if it was a reel. I would post whenever it said my followers were most active. That is good for those static posts and for the series of photos. But when it came to reels, that was like the worst decision ever. That got me the least amount of views And that was also a time when I was using literally any audio. I didn't figure out the audio portion of the algorithm yet. So it was probably a lot of stuff combined. But my secret weapon, I have, I'm in Eastern time. My secret weapon is I post, if I'm posting a reel, I post it at 8.57 a.m. every single time. And when I combine the 8.57 a.m. with the correct audio, an audio that has good potential and it doesn't have too many reels that have already used it, that's the jackpot. That is the algorithm jackpot and I can sleep so soundly now knowing that I have that information. Also, I'm sitting over here acting like I have a million followers. I have 12,000 followers. I have not figured out the entire algorithm. I think that's a process that's going to take me a while. Honestly, I don't think anyone knows it. I don't think Instagram itself understands its own algorithm. Those are literally just two little things that I've done that have helped with gaining a following and getting more traction on the app, but I still have a lot to learn. I'm well aware of that. I am not the best of the best. I believe me, I have a lot left to learn. I'm excited to learn more about it. It's just very exciting that I'm not completely blind when it comes to the algorithm now. I feel like I have a good grip on it where I am, and I'm very happy with where I am, and yeah. So anyways, the social media aspect of the business is another part that there is a lot of stuff that goes into it aside from choosing a picture and posting it. You got to do the caption. You got to make sure it's a good time. You got to make sure the editing is correct and the reel isn't glitching and the photo is showing what it needs to show and it's good quality and it's good lighting and all of that. So that's that part. Number three, 
the other behind the scenes portion of running my business is sourcing all of my ingredients and materials. When I have orders, maybe I have a slower week, maybe I have an incredibly busy week, whatever it is, I'm going to have to source ingredients and materials. That includes going to not just one store, maybe not even just two stores. I go to multiple stores to make sure I have all of the ingredients I need to make whatever I'm making. It can be a wedding cake, it can be a birthday cake or birthday cupcakes or something, or it could be a recipe that I'm making just for the sake of my blog. Whatever it is, I'm probably going to have to go to multiple places to get everything that I need. And it is not cheap, you guys. It is so far from being cheap. So to give you a little look into the money that goes into sourcing ingredients, and obviously if it's for an order, whether it's a small order, a large order, I'm getting paid for that. Obviously, part of the cost of the order is the ingredients and material used, then, you know, my time, my profit, all of that. That goes into the cost of everything. If it's for a recipe, I don't get paid for those recipes. That is just something to do in my free time. That's something to, you know, learn more stuff about baking and cooking, to keep my skill set up, to make sure I'm learning new things as I'm going, to keep, you know, content going on social media that I'm not I'm not getting paid for to make those recipes and when it is time for me to restock my butter and I have to go to Costco Costco's the cheapest butter I've been able to find everything's going up in price obviously it has been for a while Costco's the best place for me to get butter at the moment and when I have to go in there and Every single time, pretty much every single time, the price keeps increasing. Guys, butter is $15 now, okay? The pack of butter at Costco, it comes with, like, one pack has four separate packs, and each of those four packs has four sticks of butter, so that you get 16 sticks of butter. And those 16 sticks of butter, it's $15. Now, I know that that's less than a dollar per stick of butter. I get it. The amount of butter that goes in to making desserts and making a nice, a very nice tasty cake, making the buttercream frosting, buttercream, it's in the name. I I spend, let's see, if I'm doing a three-tiered cake, Say it's a larger three-tiered cake that serves about 120 to 125 guests. That three-tiered cake, let's see, I'm, I'm counting. I'm counting the amount of packs of butter that I go through for the recipe, for the cake itself, and then for the buttercream. There's probably, I probably use like six packs of those butter, of like of the butter. Not, not six Costco packs, but like... D- the packs of four sticks. I probably use close to six of those packs to make a wedding cake. And that's just the ingredient cost. That's not my time getting it. That's not my, you know, gas and mileage going to the store to get the ingredients for the order. That's not my time making the order or delivering and setting up. That's not my profit. That is why if someone reaches out And they're like, hey, I need a wedding cake to serve 120 people and my budget's $200. You're like, what? 
That's impossible, though. It's quite literally impossible unless I want to go completely bankrupt. So that's why it's important to know if you're getting custom food of any kind, if you're getting anything custom, anything custom, it's not coming from a factory. It's not coming from an assembly line of 200 people. It's coming from a couple people, maybe even one person. I am sitting over here. I am a one woman show. The product and service that you are purchasing from me, it is just me. I have some help here and there from my parents, which is incredible. They'll help me with wedding shows. They'll help me with some deliveries if, you know, they're extra far away, potentially in a sketchy area. My dad just did that this past weekend, wanted to make sure I was safe. It's literally the best thing. I They do so much for me. It's absolutely incredible. It's just crazy. But other than that, I am a one-woman show. And so it's important to know if you are ordering something that is custom, it's not going to be the price of something in a grocery store or a factory. It's not going to be the price of what you're getting on Amazon. And it's going to be more expensive because those ingredients, oh my God, it's expensive. It's expensive for me. So that's a whole portion of the business that I don't think a lot of people think about. Maybe you do. I don't know. But getting those ingredients, getting those materials, going to multiple different places like physical stores. Obviously, you can order a lot of things online like packaging and extra equipment and all of that. But those physical ingredients that you need, the edible ingredients and, you know, specialty decorations and stuff like that, you've got to go out and get them. You've got to drive your car around. You've got to fill up your gas tank. There's a lot that goes into it. So the next thing is something I already touched on a little bit at the beginning of the episode, but writing quotes. When people reach out to me to inquire about an order, which I I get so happy when I open up my email and there are new order form submissions, there are people reaching out to me that I met at a wedding show at an open house. I get so happy when I see those. It's just so exciting because, like, again, I've built my business. It's exciting to see it do well. And with those quotes, especially for wedding orders, there is so much that goes into it. You have to make sure you're figuring out your pricing correctly. You have to make sure, you know, everything is included in that and that you're not missing something. Because once you send that price over, you can't like quickly email back and say, oops, sorry, I forgot to add a few things. It's actually going to be $150 more than what I said 10 minutes ago. Like, you've got to make sure you've got your numbers right, that you've analyzed the market to make sure you're in a good spot, you know, you're still competitive, but, you know, people aren't just going to completely ignore you because you're way out of line, you're way overpriced compared to everyone else. You need to make sure you're in a good spot. And when I sit down to write those quotes, I like to make sure they know, like, okay, Does this include delivery? Does this include the cake stand rental? Does this include all of the specialty flavors that they want? Like I need I need to make sure it's correct and I need to make sure, you know, some people want to know the price of the cake before they decide on their flavors or before they know for a fact if they want to rent a cake stand and all of that, which is totally fine. I can send a rough estimate over. But when I do that, I really have to make sure I state like, okay, this is the rough estimate. However, once you choose your flavor, 
if it is a specialty flavor, if it has a fruit filling, if it has a chocolate fudge filling, if it has extra toppings, whatever it is, the price is going to change. If your delivery address changes, it is going to change. If you do decide to rent a cake stand, it's going to be, you know, X amount more. You have to make sure you state everything because since I've been doing this for a little over a year now, to me, some of the things that I think about are obvious to me. But for someone that is getting married, usually the couples that are engaged in getting married, it's their first time. It's their first time getting married. It's their first time planning a wedding and having to do all of this detailed stuff. And they don't know the details of it because the amount of vendors that go into a wedding, you've got the cake, the caterer, the venue, the photographer, the videographer, the florist, the dress, the tuxes, the hair and makeup, the stand, you know, the table rentals, the table settings, all of that. There is so much, the the DJ, right? There's so much that goes into planning a wedding and it can be incredibly overwhelming for the couples. And so they don't know the details of what goes into each individual section of their wedding. And so I have to explain it to them as if, you know, because it's the first time that they're dealing with it. So I have to explain it in a lot of detail. So my emails are pretty long because I want to make sure they have all the information that they need. I don't want them to be confused. I don't want them to, you know, feel like they can't ask questions or, you know, they just have no idea what's going on and they have to go along with it. I want to make sure they know that I'm being transparent and this is what this is, this is what that is, all of it. And it's kind of like when you're in class, say you're in college and you're sitting in a lecture hall for whatever calculus class, and the professor up there has been teaching the exact same subject for like 20 years, and they've been teaching the exact same class for 20 years, and they know it better than anything that they've ever done. They know the information that they're talking about like the back of their hand, but to you, this is your first time taking the class, You've never seen this information before. You don't have any experience with it. It's brand new to you. Yet the professor is standing up there getting mad at you when you get bad grades on the test, when you don't understand whatever topic they're discussing and you're trying to ask questions and they're giving you little snarky remarks and, you know, telling you, you should know this. It's easy. It's like, no, it's not easy. It's easy to you because it's what you do. But this is the first time I'm hearing about it. And that's how I approach communicating with clients, like especially for wedding orders, because there is a lot that goes into it and I need to make sure I'm explaining everything. So like I said, when I sit down to write an email, I am sitting at my laptop for a while when I'm writing a quote, when I'm getting all the numbers together, when I'm writing up the contract, when I'm making sure all the details are there, when I'm making sure they are not confused at all. It takes a lot of time. So that is a big part of the business, making sure I have all of the details and making sure I'm being transparent and making sure I'm doing what I need to do so that the clients aren't confused because I personally hate that feeling when someone has a specific like niche that they do that they're good at and they assume everyone else should just understand it and already know it. 
It's like, no, you're going to have to explain it. Obviously, it might get annoying having to explain it over and over and over again if the same person is asking the same questions over again. That's what can get annoying. If you've already explained yourself, but they continue to just not understand it, that's when it can get frustrating with anything in life, obviously. But it's just part of the business. And there's a lot that goes into writing those quotes. And the next couple things. So this is stuff that you do see that you would assume that I'm doing. That's the baking, the assembling of the cakes, the decorating, the baking of the recipes, um, the cleanup process with the dishes, making sure everything's put away, all of that. That's the part that you do assume that I do and that you do see on social media. That's a big part of it. Again, so the baking and the decorating and all of that, that's hours. That is hours of work when you're prepping the batters, when you're prepping the pans, when they're in the oven and you're starting to clean up and doing the dishes and the dishwasher's full. So now you're going to hand wash half the stuff and then you're going to air dry it and then you're going to put it back and then you're going to make sure the batter's baked, then it's cooling Then you wrap the cake layers, put them in the freezer, and then the next day you're going to pull them out and you're going to assemble and decorate, make sure everything is supported with dowels inside of the cake and little cardboard cake boards in between each cake tier so that nothing is sinking on itself. Everything's at a good temperature. If you're decorating the cake and it's sitting out at room temperature for hours, it's not going to work. You're going to have to kind of speed up the process. You're going to have to get really efficient with it so that everything looks as good as you want it to. And, you know, it's assembled properly. It's staying in one piece. It's not falling over. That, those, again, that's the part that you assume that I'm doing that you do see when I post about it and all of that. So, that's a big part of the business too. And then the pickups and deliveries, making sure all of that is scheduled, making sure everyone's on the same page when it comes to wedding deliveries, going to the venues, making sure if there is a wedding planner, if there is a day of coordinator, that they know when you're arriving, that you know when you're supposed to arrive, that you know where you're going to be setting up, if it has to be refrigerated, making sure there's enough refrigerator space and that they're aware of that before you get there for the delivery. And usually, so on average, when I go to a wedding venue or wherever the wedding's taking place, it can be at your home. When I go there and I'm setting up the cake, Typically, it's going to have fresh flowers. It's going to have greenery. The florist will have provided those and they'll have them set aside ready on the cake table so that when I get there, I can cut and arrange and decorate the whole cake with that. That whole process from the minute that I arrive at the venue to the minute that my stuff is cleaned up, I've got all my stuff packed back in the car and I'm heading out. It's about an hour. So not only am I driving to and from the venue, which can be over an hour away sometimes, sometimes it can be 10 minutes down the road or it can be an hour and a half away. It completely depends. On top of that, I'm setting up for about an hour. So that's another portion of where the quote comes in, where I make sure that I'm including the proper time and the profit and the gas and mileage that I'm using to get there and all of that. That is a big part of it. So again, I'm, I'm going to reiterate this. I seriously love my job. 
It is so much fun. I love every part of it. There's just a lot that goes into it. So that's why I'm explaining this just so that everyone's aware like, okay, there's a lot of steps that go into this. It's not making a cake and then boom, you're done. Even after you completely finish the cake and everything is good to go, you probably still have a couple of hours of work relating to that one order left to go before you can actually check it off of your list. And then another thing with the business is all of the open houses and the wedding shows and the expos and all of that. These are very fun. This is a time where I can kind of get dressed up. I can set up my cute booth. I can have all of like I can make it look how I want it to look. And I actually get to meet people face to face and being able to meet the couples and maybe their parents, maybe their siblings, whoever's involved in the wedding When I get to meet those people in person, I really value that because obviously, like I said, a lot of the communication is through email, maybe a quick phone call or a text message, something like that. But being able to put faces to the names, being able to really get to know people right off the bat. And okay, so these open houses and wedding shows, people are meeting you for the first time. They might try some of your samples that you bring. They are looking through your portfolio for the first time. Maybe they're just finding out that you're on social media and they're going to follow, you know, your pages so that they can look at more of your work. This is the first time that they're hearing about you most likely and the first time that you're hearing about them. And when you get to make that personal face-to-face connection right off the bat, That is so nice to me. Like, that is such a nice part of the wedding industry, the fact that there are a lot of open houses and a lot of the wedding shows. I have another one coming up this coming weekend. It's a two-day event, and I'm so excited. I just think it's so fun to really get to know people a little bit before they even reach out to you. And maybe they don't reach out to you. It's completely up to them. They're there to try out a bunch of different things, see what they like, see what they're into. And if they do reach out to you after they've met you, after they've seen your portfolio, after they've tried your samples, after you've learned a little bit about when and where they're getting married and what they're you know, wedding aesthetic is, what kind of cake they're looking for. It's just very nice to be a part of those shows and to meet people face to face. But with those shows comes a lot of preparation and it's something that you are not getting paid for. Usually with wedding expos, that's something that you pay to be a part of usually There are some situations where a venue might be holding an open house, like specifically at their venue, and they might ask you to be a part of it, and it's completely free to be a part of it. But even in those situations, you're still paying for the ingredients and materials to have samples there. You're paying for your time to be there and driving to and from wherever it's being held. You're, you know, bringing your own plates and napkins and forks and cups and whatever it is you're doing, there's still a lot that goes into it and there is a good amount of money that goes into it. But it's one of those things where, you know, they say you have to spend money to make money. It's it's such a good marketing aspect of the wedding industry to be a part of those shows. And, you know, you're not going to do them every single week. That would be way too much. You wouldn't have time to actually 
take any orders. So I do them a few times throughout the year. Again, I've been doing this for literally one year, so I don't have that much experience with it. But the ones that I've done have been such great decisions for my business. They have helped me grow. They have helped me meet people and for them to meet me and know who I am, put a face to the name, find my social media, get more of the pricing information, see my display cakes, all of that. It's just such a good thing. There is a lot of preparation that goes into it. Like, for instance, the one coming up this weekend, I'm going to be prepping for it for a full two days beforehand, and then I'll be at the show for two whole days. So it's a good amount of work. But again, I absolutely love it. And that's that's one of the best things for me growing my business is to really be a part of those shows and to get my name out there. And the last thing I'm going to talk about, I talked about it a little bit before in this episode, but the blogging and the recipe creating. So this portion of my business, like I said, I have kind of three different portions of the business, the wedding industry, which I've talked a lot about, the social media stuff, and then the food blog. So the food blog, I've got a completely different website aside from my custom cakes website. So I'm paying for two domains. I'm, you know, doing all of that. And then with the recipe creating, in order to start a new recipe, you can either combine multiple different ones that you've found and that you've tested and you like the cake on this one, you like the frosting on this one, you like the filling in this one, you can kind of combine things, that's totally fine. You can do family recipes, you can take old recipes that you made before and alter them and post a new version of it. Whatever, you know, route you're taking, there's a lot that goes into actually writing it. You have to test it for yourself. You have to write down every single step so that when you explain it to someone on the blog that you're writing, they can actually understand it and do it themselves. And this goes into how I was talking earlier about how when you're in class and a professor that's been teaching the same subject for 20 years gets annoyed that you don't understand it at the same level that they do, you have to explain these things. I I don't, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but you have to explain these things as if you're talking to a five-year-old. Because when I'm talking about the proper way to mix the batter or whatever, that's obvious to me. To me, I don't have to write that down. I don't even have to think about it when I'm going to make the recipe. But when I'm writing the step-by-step instructions and all of the ingredients that you're going to need and all of the materials that you're going to want to get together and make sure you have before you even start baking, that is not obvious to someone that doesn't do this on a daily basis. And so the process of writing a recipe and the instructions and then writing the whole blog post with little paragraphs and describing the photos, it is hours of work, you guys. Hours. And not just the writing portion of the blog, but like I said, you're testing the recipe for yourself to make sure it's good enough to post and to make sure other people are going to like it. You're not going to post a crap recipe. You're just going to get the worst reviews in the world and then you're done. So you want to make sure it's good. Once it is good, you've got to set up the whole, you know, photo shoot. You got to get your backdrop. You got to get your props. You got to get some depth in there. You have to have, you know, good quality photos. Now, okay, you don't have to, but it helps. It really helps to have that good lighting, 
that crisp photo, those clean videos, it really, really helps. And getting those together, and then when you're done downloading them and editing them and making sure they're correct, and then cleaning up the whole photo shoot that you set up, hours and hours of work, you guys. It's not a quick little thing. When you find a social media page that creates recipes and like that's what they do they are a food blogger they create recipes if they are posting recipes every single day you need to understand how much work is going into that if you follow okay this is a good example half-baked harvest on instagram she is incredible her stuff is at the the quality the photography the detailed videos and explanations i mean The amount of work that she does, I can't even fathom. And when you go on her page, you're probably thinking, oh, what a cute pasta. That drink looks so nice. Like, this is so cute. I don't know how she does it. The amount of work that goes into her, I I don't even know how much work goes into that stuff because I can make maybe two recipes a week on top of everything else that I'm doing for my business And like I said, I have 12,000 followers. She's got like four and a half million. I, she, she is my idol. It is just incredible. So I just want you to know how much work actually goes into that. And she has cookbooks and she does book tours and she does segments on TV shows. And oh my God, it is, it's insane. She's incredible. And a lot of work goes into that, even though it's, a dream job to be able to cook and bake new recipes for a living. That is, that is my dream job right there. That's what I want to get to, to be able to just make recipes for a living. I would love to do that. Yes, it's a dream job. It is very detailed, very time consuming. So just know that there is a lot, a lot, a lot that goes into it. So yeah, that's pretty much what I had on the list of things to talk about today. And like I said, I didn't necessarily want this podcast to be about business since I do it every single day. I wanted the podcast to just be about basically mindless stuff. But because it is such a big part of my life, I do think I'm going to have a few episodes relating to my business. And this was very fun for me to record. So I'm actually probably going to do it more often. Hope that's okay. Um, But yeah, there's just a lot, a lot, a lot that goes into it. And I love getting to tell people about it and to really show people what I do because I just think it's cool and I think it's fun. And I love running my small business and I love how it's going and I love seeing it grow. And I just think it's so exciting. And there are probably a handful of things that I forgot to talk about. And maybe there will be a part two of this episode at some point. I will just have to see. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed everything that I talked about. I hope you learned some new stuff. I hope that maybe when you see other small business accounts or you hear about someone's small business... I hope that you look at it in, you know, a more detailed way and you understand, like, maybe on the outside it looks like a cute little hobby, like, ooh, what a cute little business, but it is a business. It is a lot. They are working their butt off, most likely. They are doing everything they can to make it work and to make it grow. 
They probably love every single second of it, but it's a lot of work, and I hope that I have helped enlighten you on that today. I hope you enjoyed it, and I will see you next week for another episode. So have a good day, have a good rest of your week, and I'll see you then. Bye!